Hello and welcome to another fundmonitors.com insights video. Today I'm joined by Chris Weldon, Portfolio Manager for the Magellan High Conviction Strategy and the Assistant Portfolio Manager on the Global Equity Strategies. Chris, thanks for joining me. Good morning, Damon. Thank you very much for having us again. Chris, global markets have been a bit choppy for a couple of months now and with inflation in the US having a significant effect, the Fed recently signaled that they may have to act a little more aggressively. And what do you think this looks like and what effect do you think that'll have on the market going forward? Yeah, it's the, uh, it's the number one topic in markets at the moment, Damon. Um, look, I, I've got to start by saying we're not market forecasters, so let me preface with that. But I think there's probably two things to keep in mind here. Well, there's really two reasons why rates are moving. The first is just a, a normalisation in policy settings around the world. And that would and should be happening independent of the second force, which is the very acute inflationary pressures that we're seeing at the moment. So I think um, even before the last couple of months where we've seen these very high inflation readings, uh, interest rates and the normalisation of both fiscal and monetary policy settings around the world, but particularly being led by the Fed uh, in the United States, they were signalling that we were moving to a less accommodative uh, policy environment. And that's appropriate because if we sort of think about it, we're in a pretty you know, healthy economic environment around the world at the moment relative to the environment we were in 12, 18, 24 months ago. And yet the policy settings are still calibrated to that environment and not to the world that we find ourselves in today. So there was a normalisation that had to take place. Uh, that is taking place. But of course, at the moment, you've got these very real uh, inflationary pressures uh, all over the world. And Every management team we're speaking to is this is topic number one, two, and three uh, that they're that they're all discussing at the moment. So it's pervasive, it's widespread, it's it's a very real issue for businesses at the moment. We are still in the camp at the moment that these inflationary pressures should be more temporary, uh, and the reason for that is because we still have this very unique excess demand environment created by a lot of the policy response to the COVID environment, uh, and you still have uh, COVID havoc and wreckage to supply chains around the world. And it's our view that both of those things should begin to normalise and continue normalising over the coming months and quarters. Some of that excess demand will sort of wash its way through the system and the supply chains will be rebuilt. Uh, goods will be moving. People will be coming back to work and that supply should be able to catch up to some of that demand. So it's very... Uh, acute, very um, uh, serious inflationary pressures we're seeing at the moment should begin to recede. Um, but that's not to say that we won't see higher interest rates because that was also the direction that we were moving in in any event. And that seems appropriate to us. So what that means for markets, uh, we have to think some degree of this is already priced in. You know, we've seen some uh, particularly sharp moves in certain parts of the market that are more exposed to these inflation and interest rate moves. Um, that's not to say there's not more to come, uh, but we're mindful of that. We've got the portfolios constructed with this risk and this concern in mind. And as I mentioned, to some extent, markets are discounting this risk already. The high conviction portfolio has a pretty large weighting to technology companies, uh, uh, many of which have suffered losses in the past months. What do you see as some potential drivers for growth for companies like Meta and Alibaba um, for the next 12 months? Yeah, it's a 12-month question is always a tricky one. Anything can sort of happen in a 12-month period. 
Um, it's true that both are out of favour at the moment. If you just look at the share price moves fairly recently, the, the sentiment uh, associated with both of those companies is, is fairly negative. So you have the potential in the short term for a, uh, a re-rating in the multiple. Of course, it could go the opposite way. We could be, you know, we could see further neg negative sentiment against these companies. But what we are investing behind in both cases is the longer term fundamentals and prospects for those businesses. And we think over any sort of appropriate period of time, like a couple of years at least, um, you know, markets discount those future cash flows and things like that. So with respect to um, Meta or Facebook, it's really the, the digital advertising opportunity that still exists for them. Now, that is, of course, becoming a more competitive space with the rise of TikTok and things like that. But we have to keep in mind that, that, that Facebook is an incredibly advantaged participant in this ecosystem. You know, uh, over 3 billion users across their family of apps. So that's that's an incredibly impressive um, install base of users that they can continue to monetize over time. Um, and on the Alibaba side, you know, there's really two primary drivers of cash flow growth that business over time. The first is um, just their participation in the growth in uh, Chinese consumption and more of that consumption shifting online, um, given that Alibaba runs the two largest uh, e-commerce platforms in China. So that's one leg of the stool for Alibaba. And the second leg of the stool driving those future earnings will be the cloud computing business that it has. It's the, the leading cloud infrastructure provider in China by quite some distance compared to the second largest player. That is in a more early innings. It's a, it's a less mature business and will provide um, substantial growth over time, but it's a small part of the business today. Just given the small number of positions in the Global High Conviction Fund, clearly stock choice for you is, is crucial. Can you talk us through some of the key attributes that you look for in a company um, when you're looking to put it in the portfolio? What are some of the, what are some of the things that, that most of your companies have to have? Yeah, well, it's, it's a great question, Damon. Of course, this is what we spend all day, every day sort of thinking about. Um, the very top of the, the list is quality and enduring quality. And what we mean by that is a business's ability to earn excess returns and to protect those excess returns from the competition that will inevitably come and try and take some of those excess returns away uh, from those companies. So there can be all sorts of different moats around a business. It could be network effects or switching costs or brands, all those certain things. We're looking for businesses that possess those very wide and deep economic moats to protect that company and its ability to continue earning excess returns. On top of that, we want compounders. We want businesses that will compound capital for our investors and our clients. And what that often means is these companies need to earn very high excess returns, but have the, the ability to reinvest in their business at very high levels of incremental return. So they continue compounding that capital over time. And, you know, classic examples in the portfolio are things like Amazon, uh, who has found that that business has found multiple avenues over time to deploy capital at very high levels of incremental return, building out e-commerce, then building out fulfillment, then building out cloud computing. And now they're in uh, entertainment content and things like that. Um, Starbucks is another great example where, you know, every, every year, almost like clockwork, they roll out another couple of thousand cafes around the world and those cafes tend to earn anywhere between 60 and 80 percent incremental returns so you know I would love to as a portfolio manager 
be able to capital, uh, compound clients' capital at 60 and 80% returns. Um, can't do that, sadly. Uh, but some of the businesses we own in parts of their business can do that. And so we want to find these very high quality compounding machines. We want to go on that long-term journey with them. Um, but we also have to be mindful around the price that we're paying for them. Um, you know, if a lot of that future potential is already reflected in the share price, well, our clients, our investors probably won't participate or benefit too much from that. We want to find these incredibly high quality compounding businesses, buy them cheaply, and then go on that long-term compounding journey with them. Chris, do companies with like that, high quality companies with those sorts of moats, do they have um, an inherent uh, risk um, because of that monopoly, do you think? Or is, you know, uh, is that something you've got to look at, particularly when you're assessing the management of that company? Absolutely. Yeah, there's probably two areas there worth, worth digging into. Uh, the first is that often where you are so dominant and perhaps um, somewhat protected from competition, often you fall under the lens of regulators um, and there'll be antitrust scrutiny and regulatory scrutiny associated with that. And that's certainly been the case with respect to businesses like Microsoft and Alphabet and even Facebook or Meta, um, businesses we, are, we, we currently invest in. We are not flippant and we are not dismissive of competition, but we recognize their advantage position. And because of that, there is a heightened degree of regulatory scrutiny. So that comes down to portfolio construction and making sure we're not taking on too much of that regulatory risk uh, in the context of the portfolio overall. Um, the second point um, is a, in your question is very well made is, yes, there is a very meaningful reliance on the capital allocation capabilities of the management team to continue either redeploying the cash coming out of the operations uh, in very high incremental return investments, Amazon being the great case study there. Um, more recently, if you wind the clock back, you know, what Buffett's done over five decades at Berkshire, reinvesting the capital, reinvesting the capital and continue compounding over time. Um, yes, we pay a very high degree of attention to the, the capabilities of that management team to reinvest. Um, equally, you know, it's true for certain businesses that they just don't have that ability to reinvest it at high rates of return. In that case, we want them returning the capital to, to us and to and therefore to our investors and shareholders. That's the that's the most shareholder friendly thing that they can be doing and not just retaining capital at very low rates of incremental return. That that doesn't that that's not a win for us or our clients. We we want that cash ourselves to redeploy, or we want the management teams retaining it if they can achieve really high rates of return. Chris, thank you as always. Um... Uh, always insightful to talk to you and good luck uh, with the portfolio in 2022. Thanks, Damon. Great to see you.